You're listening to Heal with Camille podcast, and I'm your host, Camille. I'm going to share with you today some situations that I deal with with most customers, and people uh, wonder what an intuitive counselor is. So I'll share with you um, just kind of how I work with with most with most clients. Um, people get a hold of me for all sorts of reasons. They've lost their dog. They can't find their keys. Um, they've misplaced some jewelry. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm the best at this, but I do tend to be able to help people locate things and, and let them know if they're going to find their dog or if, if they're going to, um, be, when they're going to have a job come in and things like this. And so people ask me some specific questions, um, and I can usually help them out. But what I love doing is when I work with people, I try to help them figure out what their triggers are about. So, for example, I have a married couple I've been doing some counseling with. There was an emotional affair that the female had with somebody, and the husband was really tore up about it. Of course, this is not easy to come back from. But he was looking for reasons to not trust her and almost setting her up to fail I think in a way to prevent more harm for himself. And so if he saw it coming, uh, if he just didn't have to trust her ever again, then he can kind of recover from this, which is, you know, kind of what we do is prevent when we want to never have that stuff happen again. So if we can see it coming, then we can stop it. But I also sense that there was um, an enormous amount of trauma from an earlier event from him, from him in his childhood, which we kind of discovered today. So he's dealing with his wife and, trying to work this stuff out she's betrayed him and he, and she has a hard time owning it and saying she's sorry and sometimes men when when you're angry and your wife knows you're angry at her she doesn't want to just say yes this 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 because you're going to get more mad <laughs> so she has that tendency to withhold and doesn't want to share too much because she doesn't want him to get more mad so that's what she's doing he takes it as you don't want to tell me because you don't want to admit that you've hurt me you can't you can't believe that you've hurt me you can't admit that and that might be kind of true she doesn't want to look like the bad guy or have him see her like this which is what relationships have a hard time with is how you see me matters which is true so but what really started happening was he was seeing her as the villain and i said who in your past was the villain who really did hurt you and he recalled a time very emotionally that his father flew into a rage at him and he was in a dead sleep woke up and you know him and his brother were fighting and and this father just launched into him yanked a bar off the wall and beat him with that so it was a very violent unprovoked i mean dad was asleep he got woke up by the commotion but he really did take something out on this kid and this you know my client was 11 at the time and they didn't talk about it really for 15 years long time to sit with that kind of a trauma and unfairness and just you know just feeling really um, upset about that they never discussed it until 15 years later and the father did apologize for attacking him like that but for that to be simmering and simmering and just you know you're walking on eggshells or there's just a disconnect i mean you can imagine what that does inside of a, of a relationship well what do you think he's being reminded of right now because his you know, wife is not wanting to talk about it over and over and over. And they have talked about it. And they're going to do fine. They're going to recover from this. But she's not likely to bring it up. And she's on eggshells, doesn't want to bring it up. And he's reminded of his father who didn't want to, you know, had he had pride. He didn't want to say sorry. He never apologized. They never discussed it. And so he just felt like he was just um, wounded for no reason, no good reason, basically. So he's 
going through the same kind of emotions, the same kind of trauma, and he's reliving that role he played, that identity he played in childhood with his wife, with a situation. So the scenario of this is inside of relationships in the present time, when we get upset or we get hurt or there's something that happens like a betrayal, it we can recover from this, but, but the people that struggle with recovering from betrayals or from traumatic events in the moment have a prior trauma or a prior betrayal that isn't cleared yet. And so it kind of piles on. And so the past revisits the present, and it seems like, feels like, you know, that it's happening all over again, which might have been the worst thing that they ever went through in their life. So if you're in a relationship and there's something you're dealing with and you haven't been able to recover from a a recent betrayal or something going on inside of this relationship you're in, it could be because you have a past trauma you haven't cleared. So what I help people with is dealing with the present time and clearing the past as well. So if you've got an issue that you're involved with in the present time and maybe that person said they're sorry and they've and and you've done some work on this in the moment but it's just not clearing. You're still upset about it or you're just not flat with it or it just keeps coming back around or you have a pattern in your life that you know maybe you keep picking men that cheat on you or you pick women that lie to you or you uh, get hired and at the same kind of situation happens at work with a a boss overlooking you and they pick someone else. Uh, I help people locate their patterns and and what they continue to struggle with. And usually, I I would say, it's almost always, almost always, there's some time in the past where that original matrix got created. So there's a wound, whether it was an older sibling, you know, issue or a younger sibling issue. Um, And usually sibling issues come out in the work arena, by the way. It's like co-workers become energies like siblings. You know, your boss or HR could represent a parent figure, right? An authority figure. And so if you've got past trauma in these dynamics, um, you're likely to recreate them, or there could be some situations that seem like remind you of what happened to you in your childhood. So um, I like to help people tie those pieces together so they can actually live in the moment and not have the past keep creeping in and, and their pattern starts happening again. Another thing that I work with, with with clients is reframing their past. So, for example, I was sharing earlier about a, a gentleman who's dealing with the betrayal of his wife, and he had kind of a betrayal of his father, and his father overreacted and, and violently beat him up and never apologized, just never condone it, never apologized for 15 years. There was, there was just like this big vacancy of, of communication. They just never talked about it. And I think the dad was mortified, frankly. I mean, if you're holding on to that for 15 years and you finally say after 15 years, you're sorry about that. He never forgot about it. It was probably one of the worst moments in his life. But your 11-year-old doesn't know that. I mean, the 11-year-old just dealing with that in his own way, again, blaming himself or, or maybe hating you secretly, but that kind of stuff is really traumatic. And it does damage. But if that kind of thing's going on and you just don't have communication with people and you don't know why they're operating the way they are, it makes you make up things, okay? You kind of make up things about yourself or about people, uh, maybe. And, and he did be thought his dad was just a jerk. He didn't, you know, didn't trust his father. And they weren't close. I mean, it really, it, it broke up some closeness in there. But what I also helped him realize today was that there's kind of a superpower he's got. And uh, he is super, super sensitive to fairness and to making sure that his kids feel heard. And um, he doesn't want his kids to ever not like communicate with him because he doesn't want them to go through what he went through, right? So he is probably overcompensating for that. 
I'm okay with that. It's not harming the kids. But I do think that he's got this super sensitivity to fairness. And that, that's his trigger. That's his button. So if there's something going on that's unfair, he's going to be reacting to that. Well, why? Because of what happened with his father. But he does have like the superpower in the way that um, he's very intuitive and can kind of pick up on people and read people. He's always managing this kind of fair thing going on, right? And so he does have an ability, I think, to help people. And I told him I think he would be a natural counselor today because he does have a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion. And I think that that event probably gave him uh, a, a big insight into how people operate and I ask him, what if it wasn't really about you that your dad did that? What if he was, you know, just woke up and he's upset about work and he's tired and he, you know, didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. And he just, I'm not saying it's right. It wasn't right. None of that's right. Obviously, it wasn't right. He apologized. But years later. But what if that was really not about his son? What if it was really about what he was, you know, dealing with and took it out on his kid? And that's completely inappropriate. But when he looked at it like that and he said, you know, I never really thought about that. I just thought he didn't like me. I just thought he hated me. And I said, well, what if that's not the case? What if he just didn't know how to deal with his stress levels? And honestly, he inappropriately took him out on you. So he started looking at it from a different perspective. And I think perspective is the one thing I, I provide with my clients is that when you can reframe the event or reframe a conversation or reframe something for yourself, again, the perspective is what's so critical. Because if your perspective is, you know, you're taking something personal that wasn't even about you, that can leave a, a long life of pain. But when you reframe it and you can see the perspective in, a, in maybe the true way, it can help you set you free. A few lessons that I teach my clients early on when I work with them is that there's something called the truth and then there's an opinion. And we are definitely making meaning machines. So something happens and we make a meaning up in our brain if we don't fully understand what's going on. And usually something happens in life that's emotional or painful or, or, or even could be exuberant. If you become a gambler, there could be like a moment of, I'm a winner. I'm, I can gamble. I can make money gambling. You know, but we make us, we make something up in our brain and we live like that's the truth. But in the dictionary, it says the definition of truth is actual occurrence, fact. Like if I, you know, drop a pin, you know, a thousand times, a thousand times that pin is going to fall because gravity is truth, right? So, in our world, if you live life as is, you see it as it is, um, there's not a lot of emotional charge to that. And the truth doesn't have a lot of emotional charge to it, by the way. But when you live your life as an opinion, because there's a story around it, or there's an emotion around it, or there's a judgment around it, um, that is usually where the pain is when I'm dealing with people. So, People have things happen when they're growing up and they made it mean something about them. It must be that they didn't like me. It must be that I'm not good enough. Um, parents get divorced when, when children are little and it must be that daddy didn't love me. He left me. He, he, he didn't want to be around me. Or mommy got a new husband and she replaced me. I'm replaceable. These are unconscious decisions probably as an adult now. But back in the day, it's like an emotional decision that children make. And those decisions really... Are, are something that I watch adults prove uh, to be true, right? So 
you know, there's something that happens, especially in the world of love. And people can only be loved as much as they love themselves. And so it's almost like they sabotage relationships or they sabotage somebody loving them. Uh, they don't know if they deserve it or they're almost testing love all the time, which is exhausting, by the way. If you're with someone that is, you know, testing you, you don't really love me. You don't want me. You don't or reassure me, reassure me constantly. Nothing's wrong with some reassurance. Okay. That's okay. But if there's a constant, um, testing or prove it, prove you love me, prove you want me. It's exhausting to people. And some people do that and they don't even know they're doing it. They're just doing it because they really, they feel like they're going to be abandoned at any moment. And so they're almost looking for um, that in you. Like if you're there and you're committed, you're like, why would you even think that? How would you think that? Why would I, why would I be here? Why would I marry you? Why would I live with you? Why would you, you know, doubt me? Because something in their past had them doubt love too. And so they don't trust love. They don't trust that love lasts. And I also think that kids that go through a divorce with their parents, they they tend to maybe think they can quit things. My mom and dad quit. You know, they quit. So I can too. Or love doesn't last or love's not real. And you kind of make these, again, you have these opinions that, that stick in your brain and then they come out in relationship troubles later down the line. So... Um, I just want people to consider that some of their life decisions are based on opinions, not necessarily facts. And you want to look at your past and say, what's true about that? What's an opinion about that? But I try and have my clients really look at truth versus opinion, fact versus opinion. And when you can do that, it's amazing. Like I will say to my clients, well, my desk is brown. Okay, well, I can say it's it's beautiful, it's warm, it's inviting, it's, you know, it's comforting, it's like a tree, you know, and that's an opinion. Or I can say, oh, it's the color of poop, you know, it's it just, it just, it's negative or it's got dings on it, it's scratched up. I can make it wrong or I can make it right. Doesn't change the fact that it's a desk. So in that context with clients, when they want to judge something, when they're judging something or throwing an opinion around, um, it doesn't change the fact of what it is or isn't. And I watch a lot of people um, do that to themselves. They judge themselves harshly or they judge, other, they judge each other harshly, especially for their feelings. And feelings just are. I don't know that we can always really totally determine our feelings. Sometimes they just come over us and we just kind of have to deal with them. But if you can really look at, is that true? Is that a fact? Or is that my opinion? And start trying to line your life up to the facts. And if you have a, a lot of opinion about something, you probably have a lot of emotion about it too. And if you have a lot of story about your past and you have a lot of pain in your past and a lot of stories there, a lot of that might be an opinion. And maybe you could actually help yourself recover by just looking at, okay, what's the facts that happened? And I don't have to make it mean anything. Some other things I teach my clients are there are four negative mental energies, upsets and disagreements, fear or trauma, quandaries, and guilt. So everyone has these negative emotions in their head. That's just normal, right? But when when you're living life, if you're upset about things and you never resolve them, it lives in the background of your brain and you kind of just feel like something's never quite right. If you're upset all the time, you never have peace. You're just on the edge or waiting for something to happen and maybe you're hypersensitive or highly reactive and something goes wrong and you blow, you snap, you yell, you throw something, you know. Uh, but if you're upset and you can't get the upset out of your head, 
it can drain your energy. You know, I, I tell people to think about a computer. And if you've got a lot of programs on a computer, a lot of things that are stored on there, um, this computer might slow down. It just doesn't have a lot of memory left, right? Our phones get loaded up like this now. That's not the computer we use. But I think our, I think we're the same way. I think we as human beings, our brain gets a little fried. I think we have so much going on and everything's coming at us and, and we don't really ever stop and process and talk about things anymore, you know? Um, I love to sit and talk to people and I can take a couple hours with a client and first of all, I just want to unburden them and just kind of say, okay, you, you know, let's talk about what you're upset about. Let's talk about what you're afraid of. Let's talk about if you have any quandaries in your life or if you have any guilt or shame that you're dealing with. You know, and it's like, well, let me think about that. And people just kind of pause and think about it. And usually there's a lot to talk about because they've maybe they have had a fight with someone in the past. They've never resolved it. They never get to say sorry. That person died. And it's just, you know, really not good, not pleasant. But I have people kind of help me locate with them. Like, what are you upset still at? What, what What's bothering you, right? Who have you disagreed with? And how have they upset you? So we make a list of things we're going to we're going to work through. And so I've got a list of upsets and disagreements with people when they come in to work to do work with me. And it is amazing the freedom. It's like a emotional massage, right? I, it's like people say, oh, my gosh, I feel like I have emotional air after I talk to you, because when they finally kind of get clear of the past and they can understand what happened and and their opinion about it or what they made it mean, um, that upset kind of lifts off of them and they feel like they've got peace for the first time in years. So that's one thing I really stress with clients is don't live life upset. Life is not meant to live upset. You can recover from being upset. And other people is what this is about. Other people can make us crazy and other people can upset us. But um, if you if you really want to have a peaceful existence, you want to avoid staying upset with people. It's inevitable we're probably going to have upsets with people, but you don't have to live there, right? Another thing I work with is quandaries. Now, what's a quandary? A quandary is you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, you've got a situation where there isn't really a right situ- a right way to go or there's negative consequences on both sides. And so something like that might look like I love, love, love my kids. I love my pets. I love my house, but I'm not happily married, right? So that's something that that person has to sort out. Is it worth getting divorced over? Is that going to do more damage to the people that you love in the family and your finances if you get divorced? So these are the those are the situations I, I love my I love my coworkers I hate my boss. Um, it's like you're you're in a situation where you can't win. It's not going to work out. It's not going to be right. And the way to solve that is you have to. I just draw a line down the middle of a paper, and we just go pros cons pros cons pros cons. And not that you have you know, like you you count because at the end of that list when you look at of staying and going or you know staying or quitting, um, you you kind of get to the bottom of, of what your what your real why is why you're really there what your real intention is what your commitment is either to the kids or the coworkers or yourself. And sometimes you know the answer is you got to quit something for you to have fulfillment. And other times it's, I'm going to stay, but I'm going to have fulfillment in other ways. And and you kind of, I'm a great strategist. And so people, you know, we we figure out a way to have life work, even if you're stuck in a quandary and, or there's a, there's a timer on it. You know, you're going to do it for so many years and this is going to change. Or we get that person in here and we try and do some therapy with it. We try and work it out. Right. So I do think that um, these are two things that I work with, with people. And there's two more I'll talk about. The other things that, our negative mental energies are fear and trauma and guilt and shame. 
So when a person's got fear and trauma, it's usually from the past and they're still dealing with it. Um, I have them go through a timeline with me. And if there's an event, car wreck or um, something violent or sexual abuse or like whatever, whatever fear or trauma there is, whether they've been abandoned, whether they somebody passed away, um, they were stopped. They had some sort of stalker or some sort of violent attack. Fear and trauma, like that, that energy sits in your cell. It isn't just in the mind. It's almost like the body holds a memory, right? And that's something that um, you can you can work through, but it takes time, and you have to be willing to relive it. You have to be willing to refeel it. And who wants to do that? That's not something you don't want to do, right? But when you can unburden yourself and you can share with someone who has the capability of truly listening at a soul level and recreating that moment with you, it's safe, and it almost feels like emotional air when you when you have that moment, like, like that that release because you're handing some of this energy out of your system to that person that can hear you. And this is what I'm pretty good at. People that have PTSD, you know, veterans, uh, people that have any sort of violent, their violent past things that have happened, abuse, you know, things like that. Um, I'm good at having people be able to address them in bite-sized approach. You don't have to take the whole thing on at once. And I do a process called soul retrieval and soul retrieval. um, Let me back up. What I say is when these, when life happens like this, when we have some traumatic moments like this, we spend a lot of spirit in these traumatic, fearful events. So when you spend a lot of spirit there, you've left a lot of soul behind. So I call it soul retrieval because when I take a person back in time and have them relive the moment, I have them literally enter the scene and they go get themselves. They get themselves out of that pain, out of that trauma, and then they tend to that little inner self wound. They listen. They let that inner child cry. They hear the fear. They hear the anger. They hear everything because they've been running from it ever since. Ever since that trauma happened, we don't, we don't want to ever go through that again. We never want to feel that again. You haven't stopped to process that or listen to yourself. So it is a deep emotional process. It takes a couple of hours, but it's worth the time to really sit down and work through with me, um, dealing with and healing yourself from that PTSD trauma moment. Because if, if not, look, these trauma moments come up and these energies come out in uglier ways. You know, if we don't stop and, and really look at ourselves and deal with ourselves powerfully in our emotional body, this emotional stuff comes out in our relationships. It comes out in our, in, in self-destruction, self-sabotage. This is why we drink. This is why we overeat. This is why we, we binge. You know, we uh, run away from stuff because of the emotional stuff going on inside of us that we don't want to deal with. We don't want to talk about. We don't want to face anymore. But yet you're facing it. You're living with it. It's like sewage. You know, it's like you just want to be able to clean that stuff out. I, I know it's it's kind of a, an interesting thing to find someone that can really heal that and take you back in time and soul retrieval that, um, which I think is what people will tell me is they've they've gone through a handful of other counselors and they got on some medication and they you know they read some books and things but they never really feel like they have ever really went back and addressed the trauma, and that's really what I'm gifted at. I'm really good at hearing people's pain. I can almost psychically pick up on where there's a block, where there's something that's really still lingering and still wounding you, right? It's still wounding you. It's still part of you. And because it hasn't been cleared or addressed, it is still wounding you right here, right now, because it's it's still in your system. 
So um, I, I think it's really important to deal with the fear and the trauma and to journal it, write about it, cry about it, but do the soul retrieval process. Uh, That's what I, I do is soul retrieval. I'm telling you, it's life changing. It really is life changing. Another thing I deal with is guilt and shame. And it's interesting living in religious communities that I do. Um, guilt is, is, you know, supposed to be for something you actually do wrong, right? Like you, you harm someone or you, you do something that you shouldn't be doing. And so you feel guilty about that. And whether you stole something, whether you hit somebody, whether you hurt somebody, you know, you feel guilty about that. So it's something that you probably should feel guilty about if you're harming another person. But it's interesting in religious communities how there's this, guilt for thoughts or guilt for things that are it's actually it's like a shaming kind of process actually and the guilt is for um, thinking dirty thoughts or thinking bad thoughts or, or harmful thoughts I want to kill that person I hate that person I don't want to do that it's almost like the what they know that that person would hate that they would that they would think and they're terrified to own their power or be honest with this person whether it's clergy or whether it's family um, older siblings, parents, this is just something going on in your mind that you feel horribly guilty about and you would never want anyone to know about you. That kind of guilt and shame, um, it's usually inside of dysfunctional relationships. There's just normal things that happen to teenagers, right? So normal things that happen to women and men. And, and in the process of living, people do get angry. They do have emotion. They do tell people to F off or they you get mad. They do. You know, that's normal to have these emotions, right? But if you, if you end up feeling guilty and you just never let yourself have that self-expression, um, there's usually a suppressive component going on. And, and again, guilt is, is warranted if you've done something that hurts another person. But if it's just first thoughts and things that you shouldn't be that kind of person, I've got to be perfect kind of energy. That's where guilt can be damaging because you will punish yourself. You will withhold love from yourself. You will create uh, scenarios where you don't get a win in your life and you'll let yourself be suppressed. You'll attract people around you that utilize whatever resulting past guilt you've got uh, against you. And and they'll remind you of, well, you know, well, you, you had sex before marriage, you know, or well, you, you beat up that kid in junior high or, uh, you know, you did steal that candy from the store. It's just silly stuff, but or, or, or it's not silly. It's real stuff. But it's someone that's going to keep you feeling small and powerless. And in the nature of that kind of dynamic, that person is benefiting from you playing small and not stepping into your authentic self. And if you find yourself... Um, with a habit, you know, you, you know, whether you need to have a drink or whether you have to, you, whether you're eating candy all the time, it, it's something that alters your mood, it alters yourself. You're stimulating yourself or you're taking uppers, downers, you're taking drugs, you're taking pills, even if it's Advil every day. You know, if you're having to reach out to try and make yourself feel better with alcohol, drugs, food, sex, that's a sign that you feel suppressed or you don't feel like you can be self-expressed and your self-expression has been squished. And maybe it's not in the present time that your self-expression is being squished, but it was in your childhood. It, you weren't able to be self-expressed because your older sister or brother hated it when you did that. So you were kind of quiet. There's been a couple of situations with, with siblings that, um, with, with clients of mine that had siblings that were handicapped or there was one, one client of mine who had a brother and he was born with cerebral palsy and she was an athlete. She was the oldest child. She was an athlete. And then he came along and he had some cerebral palsy 
and she basically kind of threw the race in of her life in a way. She did not want to outshine him and make him feel bad. So she kind of quit playing full out. And and that out of love, right? Out of out of compassion. And I kind of find this inside of some relationships when again it's that whole guilt thing. She feels guilty for being an athlete because he's not. That's not necessarily something she should feel guilty about, right? Yet, and it's harmful to her. I mean, she's harming herself because he can't do something and she can. And I don't love that it's, you know, is that fair or not fair? I mean, I don't know, but all I know is it's harmful to her and she's harmed herself by not letting herself be physically expressed or verbally self-expressed. And so when we play small so other people feel better or we don't make them uncomfortable, what are we doing to ourselves And is that sustainable? Can you live a life like that? You know, are you going to pick a partner that needs you to play smaller? You have to always obey or make them feel okay. And who are you living for at that point, right? So this is this is some tough stuff we deal with. But I think it's important to kind of address what really is working, what's not really and not really working in your life. And so when I sit and do kind of an intake with a client, we go through all this stuff. I have them do a timeline if they want to start with me and we do a timeline and and there's usually a package of sessions. It it takes a few hours. I mean, you know, it might take 20 or 30 hours, but it's over a course of time. And, you know, they look at really the stuff they really want to work out. I do custom programs with people. You know, it isn't traditional therapy where, you know, I'm I'm going to talk about how you're doing today. We're going to dig in and talk about your fear and your trauma and your quandaries and your upsets and disagreements and any guilt or shame you've got. Like I've got a, I've got a program I'm going to put you through. And the timeline is, you know, when did these things happen to you? So you can kind of organize yourself that there was an era of suppression and an era of being a superstar. People also come to see me as an intuitive counselor because they want intuitive information. They maybe don't want to just go through their cerebrum and have some didactic stuff going on, a conversation. They want to have some spiritual conversation, which are my favorite, my favorite conversations to have, right? Um, I think that when people are able to be free around someone like me, they can, they actually get more psychic, more intuitive. Um, they can have somebody validate, yeah, that seems like you're having an experience or a phenomenon, a spiritual phenomenon. People come to me, am I crazy? Um, this happened, or I swear I had a dream and then this happened, or I know my mother was with me and she just passed away. I had this animal die and I swear I got my, my face licked last night. I mean, there's just so many things that happen to people that are a spiritual phenomenon. And people might think that they're nut job if they shared that. So I'm a safe place. I'm a safe place for people to come and talk to. Um, I myself have had some incredibly spiritual moments. I've seen spirits. I've talked to spirits. Um, I've been in a handful of near-death experiences where uh, for me to doubt that that I'm looked over and I'm I'm going to be okay is insane. Like I, I've got some stories I'll share at a later date, but I know that I'm destined to be here and I know that God loves me. I know, I know that spirit is near me and I, I know that the divine walks with me and talks with me. And I just, there's so many things that I knew without, there's no way I could know them. I mean, and I, it surprises me. Some people are like, you know, don't you feel like you're just special or whatever? I really don't. I, I just feel like I have, I, I just have devoted myself to what I, I say. I work for God. I'm, you know, I've had some things happen and it's like, I, I know that there's something out there and I just want to honor that, that divine energy and that divine love. But there's been a few things that have happened that really shake me to the core. 
and they still kind of surprised me that I could pull that off. And, and again, I didn't, it was, I just, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's, you know, the energy coming through me is something I'm, I'm listening to, I'm tapping into. And one experience was, um, I had this young mom come to me and I had a break in my day, not normal. Someone couldn't make it or something. I rarely have no shows, right? And, um, she called me. She was referred by a dear friend of mine. And, you know, she called me. She was just frantic. And I just need to talk to someone. I'm going through a hard time. I said, well, come on in. I got an hour. You know, let's do it. She gets in here and she's just going on about her mom and her dad and their fights and, and her landlord and the money. And she's just all tore up about so many things. And I just, as I'm listening to her, I get this sense. And, I, and I'm almost arguing with myself that her little girl is in trouble. And I don't even know if she has a little girl. I don't know that. I just know that I just have this feeling that there's a little girl around her. She's in trouble. And I'm thinking, I, I don't want to tell her that. I don't want to tell her that. She's already emotionally distraught. She's a wreck. And if I'm like, I got to ruin your day even more, I don't know if I can ha- if she can handle that. So I'm sitting here going, well, I have to. I, I have to. So I kind of just, I'm like, okay, girl, I got to. And she's bawling, you know. I got to say something to you I don't want to say to you. And I, it's going to upset you even more. And like, you're not upset already, but I, I feel like your, your little girl's in trouble. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you have a little girl? She says, yeah. I said, four or five? She said, four. Okay. And I said, I feel like somebody's hurting her. And I feel like they're molesting her. And of course, uh, you know, she flips out. Oh my gosh, what are, you, what are you saying to me? And I realize what I'm saying. I mean, this is a risk that I'm saying this. People are coming into me because I'm an intuitive and I read people. I feel things, right? And so I'm telling her this stuff and I, and I don't want to tell her, but I know that I have to. So I tell her, this is what's going on. And she said, what do I do? And I said, I mean, I, I've never really had this experience. I said, I don't know. Ask him. I mean, I feel like it's her dad. I feel like it's the father of this little girl. And he was with her that moment. And so I, she said, okay. I said, I'm going to ask him. I said, okay, let me know. And she leaves. And I, I didn't even charge her. I said, I don't want your money. I just, I'm so sorry, but this is what I'm feeling. She goes and talks to me. He says, of course not. I would never do that. She calls me. He said, he said he'd never do that. I said, well, see if I'll take a lie detector test. And she said, oh, yeah, sure, I will. Okay, good. So that was, you know, what I was thinking they were going to do. And within, I think it was about four or five days later, she calls me hysterical. And she's just stepped out of her car. And her little girl's in the back seat, in her little car seat, and she says to Mama, Daddy, I don't want to go into details, but she basically told her mommy that Daddy had a problem that she had to help him with and basically validated that he was molesting her. So she gets out of the car, called me hysterically crying, and I said, where are you? And she told me, I said, and I looked up the nearest police station, and she went there. And she she called me after, and Apparently, there was a woman there who had interviewed another child, and she was leaving when she got there, and somehow someone went out and grabbed her, and this this woman interviewed this little four-year-old girl and told my client that she is 99% sure this little girl's not been coached and that this is a legitimate claim. And so uh, they arrested the father, and then the father got bailed out by a family member. He was on a plane to Mexico, and U.S. Marshals stopped the plane because he was fleeing and they uh, got him off the plane and put him back in jail he was bailed out again um, this went on you know the, the, the trial went on for a while and the family you know his family just hated my client and blamed her and that you're making this stuff up and this isn't true and why are you doing this to him they didn't believe it right and, and of course if you love someone you don't want to believe this kind of thing about somebody and it was virtually based on you know a, a stranger I'm a stranger's you know intuition okay so I think what started happening that they, they had to play the tape of this little girl and her testimony was quite compelling. 
And um, then there's a sister that came out, that came into the trial, and she was his, the abuser's younger sister, and said that he had been abusing her for years. So that validated the claim of the four-year-old. He was put in prison, and, um, you know, that's history. So that is one of my, you know, craziest moments with a client. And, and I love, love, love these two to this day. I mean, I just, I, I just have a connection with these two. Of course, I, it kind of surprised me that I could pull that off. Another situation that kind of surprised me that I, that I w- was helpful with is I knew that a man was going to die. And I'm on the phone with him. And, you know, I just, I have this really sick feeling that um, something's wrong. And I, and he just says, no, I'm just tired. I'm just, um, I'm going to sit down. Okay. Kind of interesting, but I just, but, but as soon as I had the phone, I had this sick feeling wash over me. He's dying. He's going to die. And I knew his dad. And I thought, if I call him back, he's not going to go to the hospital. He's not going to go to the ER. He's not going to do anything like that. I know him. He's just not going to do that. So I thought I'm going to call his dad. I'm going to have his dad go get him and take him to the emergency room. I was out of, I was out of town. I, I was, you know, 10 hours away. So um, I called his father and I said, this is what's going on. I need you to go get your son and take him to the emergency room right now. I think he's going to die tonight. He said, what happened? I said, nothing happened. I'm just telling you, I have a sick feeling. Please just trust me. Just trust me. He said, okay, I'm going. And I heard his car door shut and I hung up the phone. Uh, within an hour, uh, he went and got him and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you just need to go with me. And so he went with him reluctantly, but they went to this emergency room. It was a new one and they were not equipped with equipment and stuff like that. They couldn't really help him. So they monitored him and the monitors were saying heart failure. So they had to ambulance him to a big hospital and he was in the hospital for 10 days. So he would have fallen asleep that night and not woke up. So, Again, how I know these things, people say, how do you know this stuff? How, how does this come to you? I don't know. I kind of think it would come to anybody if they were in a space to listen or if they were in a routine um, moment with people. I don't know exactly how I do it. I've done it routinely, though, for over 30 years, and it's predictable. I mean, I, I can usually predict that I'm going to pick up on something, and I'm receptive to it. I want to, and I'm willing to. And a lot of these times that I do these things, it, there's a risk. There's a risk in me saying things to people because they're going to react. They're going to love me, hate me, you know, judge me. I don't know. I, honestly, I've never had anything really – no one's really attacked me. They've looked at me. I mean, they've got mad at me. <laughs> I've been, you know, F you, whatever, you know. I've had things exactly like that. But – I feel like if I don't say something, I'm not doing my job. And I love people. I love humanity. Um, I, I love spirit. And I, I know the divine is present in my conversations with people. And when we figure life out together, destiny is honored. There's no accidents. Yeah, things happen for a reason. Um, and when you kind of sit back and talk about it, you're willing to process it and look at the truth of it. Or, you know, the, the truth kind of shows itself. And... Um, we're always supported. I don't think any of us isn't loved and supported. I think that everyone has a destiny. Everyone's here for a reason. And we're also to learn something by coming to life, you know, school called life, I call it. But I do feel like when, you, when you're willing to, to have this type of a connection and be willing to listen to the divine and your heart centered, your, your heart governed, um, and you're willing to look up, then you'll know things. Your intuition will turn on. A lot of clients get very emotional when they talk to me. Um, I had a lady that I was, I was actually 
um, on TV this last week. And I just happened to meet her for a few seconds, and she had a recent loss. And I just talked to her for a few minutes, and she just fell apart. She started crying, and I hugged her. But I think what people start feeling, you know, when I walked on set, I had someone say to me, wow, healing has arrived. Like there's a presence that just walked on set. And and there just there, there is like a validation that um, that I do feel like when you when you walk with spirit, when you walk with the divine, when you listen to the impressions, when you feel the impressions of your heart and you live by that, I do think that there's a feeling around people. Look, I think we all have a force field around us. I, I've. I'll, I almost think it's a different organ. It's like we have an energy field around us. It's like an organ. It's like our heart, right? And I think that we can we can live outside of our body or inside of our body, but but we're we have an ability to kind of energetically push our energy out of our body. And I think it's already there. I think we are. Everyone has this kind of energy. Um, and so when you bump into someone's force field, when you bump into their vibration, their energy, you can feel them. You can feel them. And so I feel them. And so, and I, and I'm also trained to listen and feel people too. So it probably, I'm a lot more sensitive to these, these kind of things, I'm sure. But you can practice this stuff. You can learn how to feel people. You can learn how to feel things. So it's not, it's unnerving sometimes. When 9-11 hit, look, the night before 9-11, I'm in the emergency room thinking I'm dying of a heart attack. I literally was watching a show with my children and I, I, I literally, I passed out. I fell over the couch. I'm like, what is going on with me? I couldn't breathe. My heart was racing. And I went to the emergency room thinking i was dying they're like no this is your heart's fine heart's great this is anxiety is this you know what's anything you have too much caffeine i'm like shut up i don't have that so but i really i I was feeling something coming on i was feeling this evil and then i woke up to my alarm clock which was my radio at the time saying a plane hit the building and i'll tell you something that really really rocked my world um, I had people that were on a rooftop watching the towers go down as clients. Um, this, I mean, I had that moment where it was traumatic for me, and then I had people that were there at the ground zero watching it happen, thinking they were going to die. Like, it was, this is the end of the world. They thought they were going to die. So I worked with people there, it, and I had a lot of um, just spirits that were trapped and energetically coming to me. I think they were seeking any sort of solution. They, they, were, they didn't know what happened. So, so many spirits were just trapped in that vibration of evil it was just evil what happened to those poor people so you know i think we can go to certain places that have had a lot of death and you would just feel it if you're that sensitive if you're if you're letting your aura kind of feel things but it's like again it's like a limb to me so uh, i think people can be trained i've trained myself to kind of be more sensitive and tap into things i think you can send your spirit to uh, with with love you can send spiritual energy to other people um, we just aren't taught these things. We just don't practice these things. I've learned, you know, the hard way just by doing it myself and, you know, just honestly making something happen. So I do teach people how to get more intuitive or to um, deepen their their ability to kind of feel. And I think we all have telepathy abilities. And I, I, I do believe that, that what's going to start happening with Pluto hitting Aquarius, a little astrology here, is that we're all going to start realizing that we are, we are technology too. We have the ability to, um, to technologically send ourselves places or whether it's telepathy or psychic ability or, you know, sending messages through the airwaves of our, of our own self. I think we do that anyway. So I think we're going to have so many things going on humanity wise, um, that are going to be more spiritual coming up in the next 20 years than we've ever had before. We're going to have advancements we've never had before. So I'm excited to live during this time. I digress. 
back to um, what I think people come to me for, why they come to me, is they do want to to really work on their spirituality. They need someone to validate that. And I don't judge people. You know, people have confessed a lot of stuff to me, stays with me. I don't judge it. Um, and so I'm a safe space to deal with spiritual matters. I do see dead people sometimes, not always. I can't guarantee that. I don't know who's going to come in if there's somebody around someone. People come in and say, I was hoping you'd pick up on my daughter or something. I may not be able to do that. They may not be there. I don't know. And sometimes I just come up with it and I just, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, I know when people are pregnant, you know, I kind of picked out a lot of that out. So uh, anyway, this is just some other things that people come see me for is spiritual validation and spiritual conversations that you can't have with anybody else. I love what I do. I love working with people. Um, I also pray with people. So I have the gift of tongues. And so I can pray over people. I can bless people. I can get rid of dark energies around people. And one of my one of my favorite people on the planet, one of my, one of my first clients, um, he was arrested and he he uh, went to jail. He's in California. Um, I'm in a different state, and I was his first phone call. <laughs> so he called me and he said, "Look, I just need you to pray with me because I know your prayers work, and I just need you to pray and get me out of here." And we did. We prayed on the phone. And within a few hours, he was released. He got out of there. It was kind of a misunderstanding. But um, people call me to pray with them and ask for blessings for their children or blessings for themselves. And so when people are having surgery, for example, or having some sort of procedure, um, I will put them in my prayer and I, I do a routine prayer. And I just ask for angels and spirit to protect and watch over and guide the hand of the surgeon and to ensure protection and safety. Um, I have I hold people's hands when they're in my office and we say prayers together, whatever struggle they're going through. Sometimes people just need someone to connect with. They just need someone to care, you know, and and to listen and to, to they can reach out to and they can really they're talking to a real human being that that gives a crap, you know, Um People are in a lot of pain. A lot of people carry a lot of pain with them for a long time. And I'll tell you my first marketing strategy, my, like, honestly, my, my mantra or whatever, my, my why in starting my business long time ago was I just want to help people get out of pain. Like truly that was my number one thing is I just want to, I just want to heal their pain. And that's honestly what I started my business doing. I didn't have a mission statement. That was it. I didn't have a plan, a business plan. I started out, you know, just talking to people and giving them an intuitive reading and, and, um, then, and I've done, I've done, you know, clearing and therapy for a long time as well. But people just want to know that they're, they're okay and their feelings that, that they're, and it's a different kind of feeling. It's like an emotion. It's more of a psychic feeling. It's more of a, um, a directional feeling. It's like a natural knowing, you know. Uh, they want to know that they're uh, if they're on track, if they're not off, on track. Um, a lot of people want to know that their loved ones are okay across the other side. Uh, they want to say they're sorry, they have grief, and they just can't share with people. Um, so again, people are. I think people are spiritual seekers, man. I mean, I I think the best solutions for life's problems is spiritual answers, spiritual solutions, 
And part of this podcast, you know, eventually I want to have people on here that I've worked with or that I just know uh, had a heck of a time with something in their life, and they found a spiritual solution to their pain, the spiritual solution to their problem. And that's what this podcast is really about, is is showing humanity and telling the world, you too can survive something, and there's a spiritual solution to your pain, to your problem, and look up. Like, look up and ask and pray and be willing to let yourself be loved and guided. You know, one of my best friends on the planet uh, just recovered from cancer. And I do a podcast with her. It's called Soul, It's called um, uh, Starting Over. Her name's Gretchen. And I'm not talking out of turn here. She's, she ter- shares her story, too. But love, love, love her. And she's recovering from cancer. And the moments that she sat by herself in that hospital bed... And she had to dig deep, and 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 like the, the the only thing there for her, the only the only space or the spirit there for her was the divine, and she literally had to had to just tap into the spiritual connection. That's how she got through this. It was really really painful and really difficult for her. And again, most people that go through a difficult time. You know, that's when people do look up. That's when they do find God or God finds them maybe, right? And not that she didn't have God before because she did, but I'm just telling you, this was a, this really was a turning point. And I think that these moments in life that are really gritty, really hard, um, people do lean on spiritual solutions. They do find the connection with God. So I, if I can help anybody um, with those kind of things, if, if I can ease their burden or give emotional air and help them on their way and, and just shed light on why something really happened and then strategically you know, move forward, how they're going to move forward, that's why I exist. That's why I'm here. This is my life purpose. This is what I love to do, and I'd love to work with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.